The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. going on everybody welcome welcome everybody into the overreaction of buffalo post game show wasn't much of a game brought to you by the market dominator team on the buffalo rumblings the vidcast network presented by picasso's pizza treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza shipping local and nationwide. Order online today at picasso'spizza.net i'm the voice of the overreaction buffalo sports show Post game show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. It is so good to have you. Please do me a favor. Please like, please subscribe, whatever podcast you are, podcast platform, however you are consuming this podcast, if you will. Please like, please subscribe. Also, I am Super Chat Live. Uh, so if you want to get my attention, I'm probably going to do a little bit of time reading some, uh, some comments. You guys have already been pretty lively in the comment section, but uh, it's good to have all of you. No, Mike, you did ask me earlier if I puked, if I vomited, and uh, I have not. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about this. I don't have a ton of notes. Uh, Bill's Mafia is all up in its feelings. Uh, the uh, the overreaction Buffalo postgame show Twitter handle. Um, last I checked, there was 50 <laughs> responses <laughs> i don't know that i can get through all 50 but uh by goodness we're gonna try um but uh so it's just good to have every single one of you like i said we're gonna try to try to sort through some of this stuff uh so whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee at the gym with your airpods in on the drive to work or watching me live right now let me just say one more time Welcome. Got our first super chat. Uh, comes in from Darcy. Darcy, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Is Josh more hurt than the team says? He seems to have regressed the last five or six weeks. Or is it Dorsey? Well, you were just getting right into the thick of it there, Darcy. <laughs> I appreciate the super chat. I appreciate you being, being a part of the show. Um, yes and yes. Right? So I think that's the answer. And I think you knew that answer, Darcy. I think you're just looking for probably some confirmation. Josh is absolutely hurt. Um, uh, he was in the blue medical tent. I don't know. To, for this game, obviously, after that one hit where they hit his arm, still wildly unsure how he was able to come back in the game without Case Keenum taking one snap. But that was more, I mean, as far as his, his injury in this game, it wasn't necessarily obviously same arm, probably same issue, a little bit of soreness, whatever he ran up the field, yada, yada. But uh, Josh is definitely not feeling well. Um, and him playing through it probably wasn't the best thing. However, I would say that uh, them winning or them losing this football game has nothing to do with necessarily Josh's arm. It has more to do with Dorsey, in my opinion, uh, and the offensive line. And, you know, when you're looking at uh, Dorsey, when you're looking at the offensive line, you can put that information anywhere you want to put it uh, as far as football teams go. And as far as blame goes, you know, Sean McDermott said eloquently in his postgame speech that, uh, you know, if you want to start somewhere, start with me. 
And uh, that's really gracious for the head coach of the football team that is in no way, shape, or form in danger of losing his, his job. And I don't feel like Sean McDermott should lose his job, but there's a lot of people that are very angry right now that are in Bill's Mafia. But, you know, when you when you know that you're secure in your position, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, you want to blame somebody, blame me. And that's kind of like where Sean McDermott is. And, on you know, in some respects, at some moments in time, in some moments of life, that's very uh, stand-up-ish of a person. Hey, look, if you want to be mad, be mad at me. If you want to blame somebody, blame me. I'm in charge of the you know the football side of the organization, blah, 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 blah. Um, but when there's no real real risk of anything, it's less, less chivalrous, I guess is what we'll say. Uh, but I do have a ton of information, uh, to kind of get through. Not a ton. That, that was a lie. I don't, I've got, I've got sparse notes comparative to other things. Um, and some of it may be rant esque. The season is over. The Buffalo Bills have lost in the divisional round of the playoffs yet again, two years in a row, this time to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and we are going to talk about it. One more super chat before I get to John's pass check. Jessica Tennis. Jessica, you know I appreciate you a lot. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show. In my opinion, it is Dorsey and Josh, two peas in a pod. Um, okay. Um, I think Josh has gone out of his way to protect Ken Dorsey this season. Um, I think this, it's in my notes later, I think this offense has wildly regressed wildly regressed even since the beginning of the season it lacks creativity it lacks ability it lacks efficiency it lacks surprise it lacks toughness it lacks the amount of the amount of stuff that it lacks it it lacks the ability to adjust not in game week to week outside of this week we're going to throw all short passes Next week, we're going to throw all deep passes. Then the week after that, we're going to throw all short passes. And the week after that, we're going to throw all deep passes. Um, When you watch other teams just execute offensively, when you watch the plays that they run, even the Bengals, the the plays the Bengals ran in this game to scheme their guys open, uh, the, the way the checkdowns flowed to the running backs and whatnot, this team, are, the Buffalo Bills lack that ability. They they lack those concepts. They lack that stuff. Um, I don't know why. I don't know, to your point, Jessica, if it's a Josh and Ken thing and they're in a room and Josh says, I don't like these things. And Ken's like, great, we'll take them out. I don't know if it's Ken not being creative enough. I don't know if it's Josh not running the plays, executing the plays the way that they're supposed to be executed. I don't know if it's Ken going, I don't like these plays, so we're not going to run these plays. I don't have those answers. I don't have those answers. Uh, Brian Bowers uh, basically says, you know, Dorsey and Allen are the same guy. That's not true. Dayball was the guy that reeled Allen in. Dayball did re- reel Allen in. That is true. Um, but I don't think that that has anything to do with the vanilla-ness of the offense and the fact that Stefan Diggs vanishes for long stretches of games. Vanishes. That's not – I don't think that's a situation where – Josh Allen is like, I'm just not going to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs anymore. At least not for the third quarter. I think those are play calls. And I think those are reads. Um, man, you guys are going to let me get to my, any of my commercials. Uh, Jessica Tennis back with another one. It is uh, it is two quarterbacks uh, who are QB-centric. Sure. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with that, but I don't, I don't think that, I don't think you put the blame. Josh Allen doesn't write the, like write the plays. He doesn't, he doesn't script the offense. Josh Allen doesn't come up with a game plan. Josh Allen isn't in the game. Like he's not in the huddle doing what Peyton Manning and Jim Kelly used to do and calling his own plays. He receives a play Peyton or Josh Allen was asked in his press conference after this football game, he was asked about the play calling. Were you comfortable with the play calls that were coming in. And he said, and I quote, I will never criticize the play call. That chivalrous. <laughs> that is 1,000. We have heard many quarterbacks this year on many different teams slam their offensive quarter- coordinators. Uh, players talk about it. They don't like the play calls or blah, 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 blah. And Josh Allen was like, I will never criticize the play call. Josh Allen, uh, I think there's a there's a beginning and an end to to Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, and I don't mean like tenure wise. I mean like, you know, uh, 
how far one goes and how far the other goes, make no mistake, this is Josh Allen's football team. But at the end of the day, Ken Dorsey is the one that's scheming the offense, not Josh Allen. Josh Allen is not Peyton Manning. Josh Allen isn't going to go to another team someday. Or I should say Josh Allen, if this was the end of his contract year, he isn't going to you know, pick a pick a team that needs a quarterback really bad. He's not going there and then rewriting their offensive script the way that Peyton Manning did when he got to Denver. Josh Allen's not doing that. So you can blame them both, but they're not two peas in a pod. They're not together in this. They're not thick as thieves. Um, so I have questions and stuff like that, and we'll probably break a lot of that stuff down, possibly through the offseason, but we'll see. Let's get to uh, the, the first read. This show is brought to you by the Market Dominator, so let's hear from John Spazcheck and the Market Dominator team real quick. Introducing the Market Dominator. Folks, I'm John Spaschek, that's right, the Market Dominator, and I am the proud sponsor of the Overreaction Podcast, hosted by my good friend, Joe Miller. You know, his approach is absolutely outstanding. It's excellent. And that's what our approach is when we get into real estate. We help our clients win, just like our beloved team is doing week in and week out. So folks, if you want somebody representing you with the most cutting edge technology, using artificial intelligence and everything we can get our hands on to help you win, you reach out to me directly, 716-570-3298. We will answer our phone. And one more thing, go Bills. Go Bills, that is John Spaz, check the Market Dominator. If you are in the market to buy or sell a home, please call the Market Dominator team. 716-570-3298, that number again, 716-570-3298. Real quick on John Spaz, check. John believed in me. Uh, There's a couple of you that believed in me super, super early, and uh, John was one of those guys. John has been a uh, faithful sponsor to this show for a couple years now, Um, and it goes without saying that I'm incredibly thankful for him. I'm incredibly thankful for his investment in me and my family. I'm incredibly inve- uh, 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 thankful for his belief in me and my ability to do this thing that is, uh, I don't know, that I'm maybe not not qualified to do. <laughs> I never went to school for journalism. Uh, and outside of just having a voice that's somewhat compelling to hear, and I have the, uh, as Sterling Furrow says, Sterling's with the girl says, he says that I just I have a natural ability to tell a story. Outside of that, you know, I'm not really a radio guy. I'm not a DJ. I'm not any of any of those things. Never have been. So, uh, super thankful to John. Uh, super proud of the work we've done together. A lot of you have called John and used John. Uh, it is proof that advertising works. And uh, yeah, so uh, John, if you're listening, and I know that you are, and maybe not live right now, but I know that you're going to listen at some point. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of just me and this endeavor and this hobby and my opportunity supporting me through my opportunity to connect with other bills, mafia, uh, this through this, what this Avenue, I guess is the easiest way to say it. So a lot of people in the chat and I appreciate all of you and uh, keep chatting and uh, I'll, I'll try to pick and I'll pick and parse through. Um, once I get through my notes, if we've got some time again, I don't have a ton of notes. There's really not a whole lot to talk about. That's surprising, right? You know, the bills came into this football game, winners of eight straight, the Bengals winners of nine straight, that undecided contest on Monday Night Football, the DeMar Hamlin game, obviously still was out there and weighed in the balance, uh, the, the game that never got played. Who knows what would have happened then? Uh, but, uh, you know, as Josh Allen likes to say, it's not how you win. It's if you win. Sometimes it's how you win. And in a football game like this one and what we witnessed, me in person, at uh, One Bill's Drive, the Bills didn't win, and how you win, the Bengals made a statement. The Bengals absolutely 100% made a statement, uh, probably a two-fold or a two-part statement. The first part of the statement was, we're here to play, and we're ready. And the second part of the statement was the Bills going, we're not ready, and the Bengals going, I don't care, and embarrassing them, for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, more importantly, you win as a team and you lose as a team. And this Buffalo Bills team lost as a team in this football game. The offense didn't help the defense. The defense didn't help the offense. You know, special teams was there and they were relied on in some very strange moments, punting inside your own 50 when you're down two touchdowns. I don't know what's going on with that. 
uh, going forward on fourth down when you're down, when you need a field goal anyway, and you don't kick the field goal with, what, seven and a half minutes left, which was the game that decided the entire game. That's when basically most of Bills Mafia started filing out of the stadium. But make no mistake, the Bills have for the last couple of years been chasing the Chiefs. And now, much to a lot of our fears, they're also chasing the Bengals. So where we used to like to have the conversation that the Bills and the Chiefs, the Bills and the Chiefs, class of the AFC, maybe even the league, that conversation is probably the Chiefs and the Bengals. Chiefs and the Bengals, Chiefs and the Bengals. And the Bills are the middling team that's trying to break through and hope that Pat Mahomes gets injured before the AFC championship game. And that gives us an avenue to the Super Bowl that we so long to be in. But uh, nonetheless, nevertheless, this is where we are. And we're going to gear up one more offseason. I sincerely hope that there's some real hard looks in the mirror down at One Bills Drive. I sincerely hope that there's some difficult and hard talent evaluation that happens down at One Bills Drive. We'll talk more about that in a minute. You know, the Bengals came in beat up on the offensive line in this football game, and there was an expect- expectation that the Bills you know, would exploit that. And I said last week on the John Fina show, Steve Tasker was our guest in case you missed it, and I said it just seems like my most of my life, definitely throughout the drought, any single time we had a team come in here that could be exploited like the Bengals with second and third string, not third string, but like the number two and number three wide receivers. The Bengals are 32 in the league, number 32 in the league in defending the second and third wide receivers, I believe is a stat that I heard in the league. They're horrible at it. They're good at shutting down number one. They're horrible defending the others. Surely we can exploit that. And the Bills don't. The Bengals come in missing their first, second, and I believe third offensive tackles. Surely our edge rushers are going to eat all day long. They don't. And I asked Steve and I asked Fina, why does it just seem like this is what happens? And I know that there's football talk. Well, it's football and you just this and that and game plan. Those guys are paying on the other side of the ball too. Yada, yada, yada. But it, it just seems like other teams are able to exploit things. For instance, why is it that the Buffalo Bills, when they're given a, a roadmap on how to beat a team, we'll use the Dolphins as an example. The 49ers beat them by using a certain play a play style or a playbook, and then the Chargers doubled down on that and destroyed the Dolphins and made them look absolutely silly on offense. And the Bills play the Dolphins. What do they do? They just trot their nickel 4-2 out there, playoff coverage, and we're just going to do what we do, and that's it. Why can't they do things? Why can't they adjust to things defensively, offensively, whatever, to play against it? Why do they not game plan against their opponent? Well, they do, I'm sure game plan against their opponent but you're looking at a Bengals team that just did to us defensively what has been done to us the last two games to basically keep Josh Allen subdued keep him in the pocket if he does break out keep you know uh, 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 limit his yardage Eric Wood was talking about it during the broadcast that that the Bengals were doing basically what they've watched on tape the last two or three weeks why don't we do that why don't we exploit things why don't we take advantage of things why I just I just, I, you know, oh, if they're going to run, a, if they're going to run a, a, a cover one or zero pressure, we're going deep. That that's literally the extent. And if they don't, we're going to throw it under. That's the extent on offense of the Bills' adjustment. On defense, the extent is we're going to wait and see what you do on your first drive with our nickel four two. You're probably going to go down and score, which they did. And then maybe we're going to get a feel for what you're doing around halfway through the second drive, which Sean McDermott said we feel like we had a pretty good idea. So they make some slight just kind of movement personnel adjustments behind the nickel 4-2, and it didn't work. There's ways to beat this team, and you've got to think at some point in time in a game that's it it had the, the potential to get away from them. It didn't because Joe Burrow could have thrown for 400 yards on that defense in this game. It had the potential to get away from the Bills and I and I'm not sure that there was confusion in the secondary. 
the defensive line could not get pressure. They could not get home. Backup tackles. Couldn't get pressure. The things that could have been exploited by the Bills against this Bengals team, the Bills chose, elected to, I don't know, be vanilla on offense. Can you, can you, can, and if you guys want to keep blaming Josh Allen for not having weapons around him and having a vanilla based offensive coordinator, I guess that's what you can do in this moment. And they played their nickel four two. And you, I was asked at the tailgate, which the tailgate was awesome. Uh, Jordan Poyer's dad was at the tailgate. John Fina and Mimi Fina were at the tailgate. Daryl Talley was at the tailgate today. Mary, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Wilson was at the tailgate. That was crazy. Deion Dawkins' mom was at the tailgate today. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But I got asked several times, and I said, you know, you've got – I said, when I was asked, you know, what do the Bills need to do or what, what's going to have to happen for the Bills to win this football game? And I said, well, they're, they're not going to have to make mistakes. And they didn't. They didn't turn the football over. And then I said, they're also going to have to not let John, uh, Joe Mixon beat them. To which, in every instance, the, the reply was, wait a minute, you think that – they're worried, more worried about stopping Joe Mixon, and I was like, "No, I think they're going to sell out against the run defense or the against the pass de- uh, defensively, which means they're going to let Joe Mixon run, but they've got to do they got to make sure Joe Mixon doesn't kill them because he can." And we just watched a defensive football team where they beat us with the pass, they beat us with the run, they just flat beat us. I don't know if it's in my notes or no or not, but Matt Milano actually was interviewed after the game, and he said that there was just no energy, there's no momentum. There was no juice was the word he used on defense. Sean McDermott, when he was asked about Matt Milano's comments, he said, well, they got to do an offensive rhythm pretty quick and we couldn't get them out of it. And the offense, our offense didn't help them. And before you knew it, it was 14, nothing, but, but I felt there was energy at first. And, and Matt Milano disagreed right out of his own mouth. Nope. We, we had no juice. We had no energy. <laughs> Brandon Wright says to my comment about, Vanilla offense, vanilla more like bland, and then he followed that up with uh, vanilla is an upgrade. And Peyton, you know, Peyton Place says, you know, we just got beat. I disagree. I've been on this show for the last ten or twelve weeks, telling you that the only team that can beat the Buffalo Bills are the Buffalo Bills. And um, while the Buffalo Bills did get soundly beat in this football game. They were out coached, which is a preparation issue. I think they were out focused. There was a lot to it. You, even when you look at it's one. So we've all watched those dominant. We've all watched those dominant football games where a defense. You know, I'm thinking the Ravens defense. We've seen this Bills team do it to teams before, where the defense just houses the offense completely, no matter what they want to do, no matter what they're trying to do. They're getting forced into mistakes. They're getting forced into bad decisions. They're getting forced into bad plays, uh, whatever it is. Our offense wasn't it wasn't manhandled by this Bengals defense. There were just bad plays, bad, and it wasn't even a play call situation. It was it was just a bad play running. There were, there was one play in particular, and I want to bring it up on on the Phoenix show tomorrow, where. The ball is snapped. Roger Saffold pulls out around the outside of Deion Dawkins and takes off to his left, vacates his spot, and takes off to his left. When Josh gets the ball, he hops to his right like he's going to throw the football. There was nobody there. So listen to what I just said. Josh Allen gets the snap, hops to his right to throw a quick pass to his right. The guy was covered. Meanwhile, at the very same time, Roger Saffold has jettisoned his position as the left guard has circled around Deion Dawkins and has taken off for the sideline like he's expecting a run. I don't know. It was in the third quarter. I don't know how many of you caught it, but I was like, what is happening right now? And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the fact that they didn't really get beat as much as they didn't put up much of a, they didn't, they didn't put up much of a fight. There's a difference between fighting and getting beaten and just kind of like showing up. We're here. Buffalo Bills present. The Buffalo Bills are present. Darcy in with another super chat. Is there any scenario where Frank Reich comes here as the offensive coordinator? I think it would be great for Josh. Well, two things. I was asked about this on Twitter. So 
Ken Dorsey is Ken Dorsey is a one year offensive coordinator, number one. And if you think for for the first part of this, that uh, the you know Sean McDermott would never fire his offensive coordinator after one year. Well, he did. He fired Rick Dennison after one year. So he does have a history of one and dunning certain people on his staff. So that's not outside the realm of possibility. To the other part of this question, Frank Reich, I do believe that Frank Reich is probably going to get considered to be you know consideration for a head coach. If he doesn't, it's not outside the realm of possibility. But you know, Frank, I love Frank. But Frank is grasping onto the past a little bit, right? Right? I mean, it's so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm turning my short notes into long, <laughs> into long, uh, long takes. I apologize, everybody. Um, and I don't know if this is what you guys want to hear or not. So, if y'all hate me after this, forgive me tomorrow. Where was I at? Snow was expected to forecast, and boy, did it snow. It snowed the whole game. It started snowing. I, I may started making my way into the stadium around 2 o'clock, and it started snowing. And by the time I got into the stadium, it was snowing. I was like, what is happening? Uh, no real wind to be to speak of in this game. It was not a factor. It was wet and chilly. Uh, it wasn't too bad, though. I was warm pretty much the whole game. Um, but it was uh, the weather you know, the weather, it was weathery, weatherish, right? It was precipitous, but uh, it definitely the weather was not necessarily the problem. I don't think footing was the problem. Clearly, we didn't see people dropping footballs all over the place. So for either team, actually, you know, the, the Bengals did a really good job of making some pretty great catches as far as that goes. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the big thing about just the weather itself is, you know, we've long lived on this uh, belief on this notion that we somehow have home field advantage, especially through the playoffs, right? You know, you know, see you in Buffalo in January might be chilly. Um, the Dolphins came in last week and put it to us with a third string quarterback in the first round of the playoffs and the Bengals just beat us in our own house in the snow. So maybe it's just time to build a dome, right? So maybe somebody needs to call Ron Rakuya. Uh, maybe somebody needs to call, Gov you know, Governor Hochul and say, "Yeah, this whole open air thing, just give us a, just give us Josh Allen in a dome where he can chuck the football over the yard." Because I don't know that the weather is providing us the advantage that we want. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, and I've I've been the guy. Just so everybody knows, if you go back and check tape, that's been pounding the table. Give me, don't I don't want a dome. I don't want a dome. I want. I don't want a dome. I just don't know that it's providing us anymore. The mystique, I think, is gone. I think I think we got a lot of mystique push in the last year about coming to Buffalo and having to play in the playoffs. Keep in mind, last year we beat a New England team that plays in the cold. <laughs> it's not like it's not like they play outside in the cold. I just I just think I feel like the mystique. Part of the mystique is you not getting beat in your own house, right? I mean, you don't want to go to Buffalo and play because it's cold and they're going to kick your ass. Well, the Bills didn't even show up in this game. I don't know. Another rant. Sorry about that. Brian Bowers astutely says, Chiefs playing the cold too. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, as far as this football game goes, you know, it was supposed to be billed to be the game of the week. They put it in the prime slot, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Anything but that. Um, the guy sitting next to me, they showed, they showed a highlight of the Eagles-Giants game in the stadium and Tom, my seat neighbor for the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years said to me, that game was awful. I was like, Tom, the way you felt about watching that game is how people watching this game feel right now. The Eagle fans are watching this game going, Ugh, turn it off. This game sucks. Cause it did. Getting into some of the game stuff, right? The game information. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the uh, Western New York beer trail read. First, because I don't want to get too deep into the show. Because once I get to the tweets, it's going to be over. The brand new 2023 Trail Pass from Western New York Beer Trail is now available. The 2023 uh, Trail Pass is bigger and better than ever. And there's no better time to get ready for next year than right. <laughs> there's no better time to get ready for next year than right here, right now. Go get drunk, everybody. That's what Tom's telling you. Uh, get this book and then go have some beers. Get ready for next year. The new pass features 53 area breweries, cideries, meaderies, and beer bars all over Western New York. 
while almost every stop still offers the second or the two half price beers with your pass, there are several other offers available from select locations, such as discounts on flights, food, and merchandise. You can save over $400 with all offers in this book right here that I'm holding, like a Tyler Bass field goal you just can't miss. The 2023 Trail Pass and other beer trail items are available at our website, www.wnybeertrail.com. Just click on the shop tab, use the code The Voice15 to save on your entire order. And just so you know, this book is like 30 bucks, 35 bucks. So you get 15% off of that. Uh, you can save over $400 with all the offers in the book. Like a TV. Oh, I already read that. Already read that part. Wrong paragraph. This is the perfect way to start your new year and go ahead and get yourself a little something to boot. We at Western New York Beer Trail are proud to support everything local, craft beer, small business, and local charities. Watch for our meetups and fundraising events along the way. Western New York Beer Trail, drink local, support local. We'll see you on the trail. Super big thanks. Shout out and thanks to Tom for supporting me this year as well. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, thank you. I cannot uh, say thank you enough. So I'll just keep saying thank you. Uh, so thank you, Tom, for supporting me being a part of the show this season, the 2022 season. So sorry that it did not end the way that we had all had hoped. Uh, so getting back into it. So the, the Bengals first two drives, I tweeted at some point in time that after two drives, the Bengals had like 135 or 140 yards, uh, 14 points. They'd had the ball for, I don't even know what it was, 11 minutes. And they had one negative play. Uh, they, I don't think they had an incompletion. They had zero incompletions. They had one play that did not go for positive yards. It was incredible. The, the, the first quarter was awful. You want some stats in the first, at the end of the first quarter, the Bengals had 10 first downs. The bills had zero. The Bengals had 44 rushing yards. The bills had five end of the first quarter passing yards. The Bengals had 116. The bills had Three. I I mean, uh, time of possession, 1140 to 320. I don't know that I'm putting that blame on Josh Allen. Maybe you are. He looked pretty skittish to me in that pocket. He looked pretty unsettled. He looked pretty not trusting of his offensive lineman. At the end of the half, let's go to the end of the half. The end of the half, and that's this one right here. The Bengals had it was 17 to 7 at the end of the half. The Bengals had 275 yards. The Bills had 135. So monumentally better than the first quarter. <laughs> it scored one touchdown in that in that quarter as well. Passing yards. Well, that was total yards, right? 275 to 135. Passing yards, 184 to 108. Rushing yards, 91 to 27. I mean, let the drubbing begin, right? I put a tweet out at that point in time that you want to you want to talk about or you want to, you want to see what getting your ass kicked looks like in the first half. This is it. And apparently the tweet never even got like never got delivered by Twitter until I think four or five minutes left in the in the fourth quarter, which was a little weird. People were like, did you just tweet this because this is old information? And it was yards per play. The Bengals six point seven. They were averaging over six yards a carry. And most of those yards were after first contact and Joe Mixon and Pirine carrying people, Buffalo Bills tacklers on their backs. The Bills averaged 4.8 up to halftime. Bengals first downs 18. The Bills got their first down in the, in the second quarter. They had eight in the second quarter. Third down efficiency, three for five, two for six for the Bills. Fourth down efficiency, zero, zero, one for one for the Bills. Total plays 41 to 28. Sacks allowed one and one, punts one to three, penalties. The Bengals were wildly not penalized in this. In the, penalized, they had a they had a bunch of penalties that they committed that not that did not get called. That's not why the Bills lost this game, but the Bills were p- penalized a lot. And the t- the time of possession did level out a little bit through the second quarter. I think they were beaten by four minutes or something like that. We will look at the end of the game stats here in a second. But even when you look through just that first half of football, which I think there's one other time in my career of doing this, and it's not a long storied career, but in my career that I said that you can just fire that first quarter, that first half into the sun. This is another one of those moments, although you could probably fire the whole game into the sun. The offense was very, it, it reminded me of the Jets game, the first Jets game that we lost where the offense had one play. They had that one Stephon Diggs pass that was like, 
22 yards or 23 yards or something like that. And outside of that, the offense did nothing the whole game. That's very much how this game felt. And defensively, the reluctance for the for, for Leslie Frazier to do something, to dial up some sort of pressure on Joe Burrow. It's almost like the nickel 4-2 in the Sean McDermott-Leslie Frazier defense is the whole game plan is if you've got a beat-up offensive line, we're going to rush our four guys because that's going to give us the opportunity to drop seven. And then good luck passing the football. They've tried it against... Pat Mahomes and gotten their butts kicked. They've tried it now against Joe Burrow and gotten their butts kicked. They've tried it against a lot of good quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that stand in the pocket, will Tom Brady, will, will find the guy that's open. Sometimes Chase, <laughs> Jamar Chase, in the middle of the field, 30 yards downfield, all by himself in the first quarter, the very first touchdown. I just don't, how do you not run a blitz at him? How do you not do something, mix something up? How do you not change something? But make no mistake, as much as I'm jumping all over the place because my notes are a little bit skittish, it isn't only on the defensive line. It's not just on the defense. The offensive line played horrible as well. Sean McDermott in his post-game press conference said, the effort was there. Listen to me. Listen to this quote. The effort was there. We just didn't do make enough plays to win. I think it's what we, we just didn't do enough to win. The effort was there. We just didn't do enough to win. I'm going to be real with you for a second. If I gave that effort that the Bills gave in this game, if I gave that level of effort to this show week in and week out, I would have no listeners. None. Zero. I copied that quote. I can't remember who who tweeted it first. I copied it. I quote tweeted it. And I just said, hey, bro, Sean, I need you to go back and check the tape and and and, and check the, the tackling in this football game. And then get, get back to me on your thoughts of the effort. Because the tackling was horrendous. Horrendous in this football game. But it's not just one thing. This they, You win as a team, you lose as a team. Lose as a team. And my Goodness, did they lose as a team in this football game? It was awful. This football team, listen, I'm going to say some things that a lot of you might not agree with and some of you might, and I'm not looking to get amens. I'm not looking to get applauses. I'm just I'm just telling you from where I sit and from what I see, this is what my this is what my message is going to be through the 2023 offseason. And I don't know that this stuff can be fixed. And I'm going to wrap this is what I'm going to wrap up I'll probably hit the game stats, and then I'm going to do the tweets. This football team, the Buffalo Bills, have no weapons outside of Stephon Diggs. And I don't mean Josh Allen. And I know what you're thinking already. Oh, we got Khalil Shakir. Well, no. (laughs) Andy, my brother, said uh, several things back. When Khalil Shakir is having a good game, it doesn't mean good things for your offense. It's not a bad – that's not a bad statement on Khalil. It just means – where where's Gabe Davis besides dropping footballs, right? I mean, I like James Cook a lot. I think James Cook has a lot of potential, and I think I'm very excited to see James Cook next year. James Cook is not a weapon right now. The only weapon that this Buffalo Bills team had in 2022 was Stephon Diggs, and he was visibly upset from what I hear on the sideline. I did not watch the game feed. I was at the game. I did not see him upset, but apparently he was upset. There's also stuff out there about him leaving the stadium early. Now you can you can project upon him that you feel like he left the stadium early because he was really upset. There's also a great possibility that he was trying to get home to watch his brother play in the playoff game that's going on right now because he's a big family man and he loves his brother. So if I had to guess, he was probably upset sure but i don't think he left the stadium in a huff because he was being a baby and pouting and wanting to get out of there more than likely he's trying to get home traffic wanting to get home so that he could watch his brother play football but this team has no weapons outside of 14 don't don't get it mixed up and bringing back beasley was a great idea i think bringing back john brown was a great idea i don't feel like the bills did anything to scheme them into this offense 
at all. This offense started with a horrible wide wide receiver strategy. Horrible, and I've talked about it on this show a lot. They went into the season with three or four slot receivers, none of them named Cole Beasley, and three boundary receivers, one of them Jake Kumaro, who's a special teamer. They started the season, their wide receiver strategy was Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs. That was the strategy. And I'm not saying, so don't don't put words in my mouth, I'm not saying that Isaiah Hodgins would have changed that. I know you guys know that I'm tight with Isaiah and I've got a love for the kid and I want to see him do great things and would have loved to have seen him do great things in Buffalo. I'm not saying that Isaiah would have changed that, but they should have known what they had on this roster. And the fact that they let Isaiah Hodgins go tells you they didn't know what they had on this roster. Horrible strategy at wide receiver. Four slots, starting three on game day, starting three boundary guys. One of them is a is a freaking special teams guy. And then one of your slots gets injured in, in, in Jamison Crowder. Your only other boundary receiver gets injured. And then it and then and then like you you bring John Brown back and you bring Cole Beasley back, and then you start forcing Khalil Shakir into the lineup. You bring back John Brown, who's playing the boundary, you bring you bring back Cole Beasley, who's playing the slot, and Shakir ended up playing more after Cole got back, like reunited with this team than he did before. I don't know if anybody else caught that. Like, what is happening there? Is that like front office management going, hey, this guy can help us? And then the coaches going, no, we don't want that guy. Like, I don't, that was wild to me, especially in the Dolphins game. It very much felt like Khalil Shakir was being forced into this offense. Say it ain't so. And I like Khalil. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like Khalil. I just, I don't consider him anybody that a team is going to scheme against. Oh, we got to worry about that guy. They're not. They're not worried about James Cook right now either. They're not worried. They might be worried a little bit about Dawson Knox. The guy that they're worried about is Stephon Diggs. That's it. And the hard part about all of what I'm saying is Josh cannot be the only thing that this offense relies on. And it there was a lot of tweets about it, and I feel the same way. There's a lot of people tweeting and saying that this is a very Josh-centric offense, and it can't be that way. It can't revolve completely around him. It can't be, here, Josh, here's the football. Go do magic things. Go do things that nobody else can do. It just it can't be that way. And the funny thing about it is if you get Josh better weapons, he will be better. Josh will be a better football player with better weapons. You watched the Chiefs jettison Tyree Kill. And, and, Pat Mahomes is still Pat Mahomes. I'm going to say it this way. Not because they got Juju Smith-Schuster and Veldez Scantling. No, the reason that Pat Mahomes had a really good year was because of Pacheco. They went and got a seventh-round running back who they struck gold with. And that guy kept defenses off balance, which allowed Pat Mahomes to throw the football wherever he wanted to throw it, largely to Travis Kelsey, who defenses just won't cover for some reason. Get Josh Allen weapons, and he will be a better quarterback. Ask him to do everything for you, and he's never going to – he's always going to be limited. And not limited like, oh, he's just a limited quarterback. He's horrible. I don't mean that. I'm, I'm saying you're limiting his ability to take games over if you don't give him weapons. Moving on, this team has had an issue on the defensive line for years. This team has had an issue on the defensive line for years. Yes, Vaughn Miller helped. Was he enough? No, because he got injured. As soon as Vaughn Miller went out, the issues con- continued. This team has issues on the defensive line and has had them for years. Tackling has been an issue on this team for years. This this team has, since McDermott has gotten here, has had a problem with tackling. They try to glance blow guys. They dive at, they either, when they're not diving at people's feet and missing, they're trying to like hit them really hard in the shoulder pads or, or they're trying to grab their shoulder pads. Like, you don't tackle a guy by grabbing his shoulder pads. It's like the first thing they teach you when you start playing football. Tackling has been a problem on this team for years. This this team has issues on the offensive line. Whether it's players not developing as quickly as they need them to, Spencer Brown. Or they've got contracts expiring, Roger Saffold. Mitch Morse might be an inj- uh, a, a contract jettison this year. They've got problems on the offensive line. 
This team is about to have a huge hole at safety. And that's one hole if Micah Hyde makes a full return. And oh, by the way, Micah Hyde's contract is up after next year. And the guy that was waiting in the wings, DeMar Hamlin, is it doesn't look like he's going to make it back anytime soon. Huge hole at safety, at least one. This team is about to lose Devin Singletary. And next year, they're going to go into the, that season. If Right now, it looks like. Obviously, they, the draft is coming, free agency is coming, all that. James Cook, Naheem Hines at running back. Did it seem to any of you like they trust either of those guys? Doesn't to me. This team has lacked creativity and growth all season. What do I mean by that? I mean creativity in scheming, both offensively and defensively, and they've lacked growth, which means the ability to learn off of either mistakes or the ability to learn, grow off of people catching up to them. Right? And the good news is, is the Cowboys, I believe, just lost, which means that that's going to take some of the sting off of all of the media stuff tomorrow about the Bills losing because the Bills got beat by the Bengals and the Cowboys still <laughs> continue to not be able to do anything in the playoffs. The team has lacked creativity and growth all season. You, you get the feeling, and McDermott said it in his press conference again today, they understand that the staff understands the front office understands that football is one up front. You've got to win at the line of scrimmage. You just have to. Yet we, we get this for football games. We get this defensive line performance. We get this offensive line performance. And this isn't the first time. It's not the first time this year. It's not the second time. We've had problems, as I said, on the defensive line for years. They keep reshuffling the deck, reshuffling the deck, reshuffling the deck. Same problem. At some point, maybe it's a scheme issue. Vaughn Miller came into this team playing 80 or 85% of the snaps of every team he'd been on. Maybe the rotating guys at 48 to 52% thing just isn't it. Maybe it doesn't work. Go find some freaking ball busters put them out there, and sick them on a quarterback. Give me another Vaughn Miller that's a young kid that's a lot cheaper that maybe you drafted, put him on the opposite side of Vaughn Miller, let him go for 90% of the snaps, and make hay. Hendrickson doesn't come off the field for the Bengals. My brother Andrew Miller has a super chat. Andrew, I'm sorry it took me a little bit of time to get to your super chat. I appreciate you. The Bills need to spend money like the Rams go in. They don't. I don't know if they've got the ability. I don't know if they've got the money to do it right now. But at the end of the day, I don't care what the stats say. I don't care about DVOA. I don't care that per ESPN and pro, pro football reference where the number five defense, and we're the number two scoring offense. I don't care what any of that crap says. This team has regressed this year. Your eyes tell you the truth. This football team has regressed. Ask yourself, I'll wait. Has, has this team regressed? Do I think this team has regressed? Ask yourself that question right now. You know it's true. This team has regressed. 100% regressed. They've got to fix it. I'm going to leave you with that. So we still got some good content coming up for you this week. Uh, but uh, so you want to stay tuned in to that for me. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Mafia Monday. And then Wednesday, Wake Up Wednesday. And then I will have the return of Rapid Fire Friday this week. I expect that podcast on the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Network to continue. Uh, also looking to possibly add some uh, characters to that roster, just so you guys know, as I'm kind of spreading my wings a little bit, just from a content standpoint. But uh, do appreciate you guys. Do love you guys. Um, thankful that you rode with me all season long. And uh, you know what? This is uh, as much pressure as there is in this, as much as it's difficult, as much as it uh, can be extremely stressful to do these shows, I very much very much appreciate every single one of you who listen whether live uh in podcast form support me come up to me at tailgates the mall airports different places say hi and tell me that you listen to my show and you love my show um i appreciate all of you more than you will ever 
ever imagine. I am definitely not going to do this forever, <laughs> mainly because I have a family and my job is getting more demanding, uh, especially with travel. But uh, for as long as I do this, just know that the reason that I am doing it is because I want to connect with all of you and I love and appreciate all of you so much. Brandon Wright, you just sent me a super chat and I appreciate it. If you want to just put your question in there somewhere, I will read it. Um, oh, Darcy, Darcy threw one in there too. I don't know what's going on. There's people just putting, Darcy, do you have something? Oh, she just said, great show, great show. So yeah, you guys are throwing me a little bit on these super chats, but, uh, but I appreciate you guys so much. I will talk to you guys, uh, probably next week. We're going to keep doing this thing at least through, oh, he says, thanks. That's for the pod. That's all. Appreciate you. Uh, there will be a show next week, next Sunday night. There will be a show, uh, an overreaction post game show or podcast. And then we'll kind of, I'll probably take a little bit of a break somewhere in February, March. And we'll figure kind of some of that stuff out, but, uh, thank you so much everybody for tuning into the overreaction post game show this is the last one for the 2022 bill season brought to you by the market dominator team as well as western new york beer trail uh on the buffalo rumblings vidcast network my name is joe miller you can find me on twitter at joe miller wired please do me a favor follow me over there uh for me for buffalo rumblings for everybody in bill's mafia i wish the outcome were better but uh we ride and die we ride and die, ride or die with this team man now i'm getting tongue twisted at the end we ride or die with this team uh, uh forever will bleed red white and blue and uh bill's mafia for life so appreciate you guys love you guys catch me on twitter i'll see you next week actually i'll see you tomorrow on the off tackle with john fina show come back love y'all 